Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Welcome into the second edition here. And if you listen to the first one, uh, I'm sorry, uh, that was definitely a trial run. But the second edition of uh, chat with Cat and Pat, and we went through the whole overview last week, Katrina. We introduced ourselves. We told people what we were going to talk about, uh, and and we sort of set the table. But this is a weekly podcast, and and I think the idea is each week we're going to grab onto something and take a hold of it. So I said to you that I, I think that this week we should just go right in. Like, why do we have to pussyfoot around things when anybody that finds this podcast, enjoys this podcast, and listens to this podcast is going to embrace it because we are not going to hold things back. So I think if you are ready for the next 30 to 40 minutes to get a little bit uncomfortable here, uh, I think that we should really just get into the divorce, the divorces, the three divorces, and the finances that come with that, as well as not only how it affects the children, but how it affects what the children think of us, which I think is what matters the most here. So are you good going down this road? The triple D's, let's do it. Tri you don't have triple D's though. Just just correct me if I'm wrong. I, I've, I've gone through your bras <laughs> and there are some triple D's in there, but generally speaking, it depends on where the weight is. It's either double D or triple D. So now that I'm with you, I feel like we have to embrace the triple D. Okay. And it also stands for like the three divorces with the stress. Okay. You just put on a couple extra pounds of comfort weight. So maybe, are you saying that we need to get like bumper stickers that say we embrace the triple Ds? <laughs> like I am all about it. If that's the road you want to go down here, I am all for it. Uh, we can print it out. Our guys from Vista Print, uh, yeah, man, they can take care of us, I'm sure, and get us some great being down with the triple Ds uh, gear. But it, look, the reality is three kids, 13, 17, and 20. And we are both stuck paying out. And, you know, for one reason or another, we've got to pay because we've always been the earners. And this irks me. And I think that this is a fundamental problem with the legal system, with the judiciary system, and with the way that divorce works in general. I feel like losers get rewarded for being losers. And it bothers me. You know, my ex-wife, I was married to her for 14 years. One of the things that attracted me to her was the fact that she held a master's degree. She was what I thought intelligent when I first met her. Um, and, and, you know, without going completely down a road that could take up the rest of the night, it, it frustrates the hell out of me that I was successful, but I don't have a master's degree. And I wasn't successful doing what I wanted to do. And this is where it really sucks. I wanted to be a radio guy. I've been on the air for over 20 years, but I was never able to take the jobs I needed to take in the smaller markets or work the shifts I had to work at 15, 20 bucks an hour to put in the time to, to get to have that full-time job in the morning or afternoon drive where you can make $150,000, $250,000 a year in a top 10 market like Boston. Was never able to do that because 
it was my job to put money in the bank and food on the table. And then the agreement happens and, and the kids are little. And I say, okay, it, it, childcare, as you know, because this is the business that you play in right now professionally, uh, child care, before school care, after school care, uh, child care, it, it's, it's so expensive. I mean, it's a, it, essentially, it can cost up to what most people will earn with, with a you know, crappy full-time job. $30,000, $40,000 a year is what child care can cost. And if you've got two going through that before they are officially school age, it makes sense for mom to stay home. She can bond with her children uh, and the children can bond with her and provide them with that mom was home with me experience. So early on in my marriage, that's what we decided to do. When both kids were now school age and the fights start coming because Yep. Hey, you said you were going to go back to work. That's, you know, six months in. And then a year later, you said you were going to go back to work. Eh, it, no. Here we are. One is 13. One is 17. She's not back to work. But Four years post-divorce. Four years post-divorce. Still not back to work. And that's the point here. So going back four years ago, when we originally got divorced... I got penalized, and that's what I don't think is fair. I got penalized because I made a good salary. I worked my ass off. I worked, at the time, three jobs. I had my full-time job at Original Gourmet, and that's where the bulk of the money comes from. But I made pretty good money uh, working late-night shifts and overnight shifts and weekend shifts at WEI Boston. And then the nights and days that I was off from Original Gourmet and wasn't working radio, I drove Uber. I had to do all three for this family, for these three people, four people that live together to be able to pay their bills and, and afford the lifestyle that she wanted to have. And then it's time for divorce. And instead of the judge demanding that the woman that holds a master's degree goes and gets a job and helps herself a little bit, it's my job to continue paying out. So for 50% of the time that you were married, I got to pay alimony, $20,000 a year, and then $10,000 a year for each kid until they're 18. So it's $40,000 a year. And the judge legitimately said, that money is for her to reestablish her life so that she can live a similar lifestyle to you by the time her alimony and child support runs out. She's four years in, and she hasn't done a thing to improve her condition and improve her situation. And this is where it trickles down to the kids. We're going to start seeing real soon here, like next summer, a year and a half from now, when my daughter turns 18, $10,000 goes away. And then the next year, we're at year seven of the divorce and $20,000 goes away. And now you got $30,000 taken out of her pocket. What happens when she can't pay her bills, she can't put food on the table, and then the kids look at me and blame me? It's already hard enough to live this life without worrying about what the kids think. And I know you have a, a, a similar situation going with yours, but it's, it's the, the dollar figure is smaller, but I feel like the effect on the kids is, is exactly the same thing because what, that's what you and I worry about. Mm -hmm. We'll figure out a way to pay our bills and to improve our life and, and to eventually have the life that we deserve to have. 
we you've mapped out i say we you have mapped out a, a roadmap for us to be in great shape uh we just have to make it to 65 and we'll have an amazing life well and we have to, <laughs> realistically we have to make it the next four years i have to make it till i'm you know 48 49 years old right but right now we have our retirement secured because that nobody can go after <laughs> it's so true it's so true but it, one of the things that really bothers me is uh today on the car ride to the youngest 13 years old uh is in civil air patrol and you know he's a brilliant kid he's been getting headaches so he he wants me to take him to the doctor and, and i say to him sure i'll take you to the doctor i'll get you an appointment but you know the challenge is me and katrina we work full time you're in school that means i've got to miss work or she's got to miss work and you've got to miss school, but I'll call tomorrow and get that appointment for you. Have you mentioned this to your mother? And his answer is no, because I know she won't take me. Then this morning, we're talking about school lunch, because I make him a lunch every day. I say, buddy, I just got an alert that I need to put more money in your school lunch account. Are you really eating two lunches a day? And he said, no, I haven't done that in months, Dad. But Mom doesn't make me lunch and she won't pay for school lunch because she says that that's your job to pay for it so like i'm in a no-win situation if i don't pay for it the kid doesn't eat and then it's my fault if i do pay for it then i'm a sucker because it's more money out of my pocket every month that i shouldn't have to spend because oh yeah you're already getting ten thousand dollars a year in child support for that kid and child support is supposed to be designated to taking care of i don't know your child so I worry so much about when the gravy train stops flowing, what does it do to the kids and their relationship with me and with you? Well, I think there's one part just to clarify there is, yes, she is getting the child support. Part of that does go to room and board. But the reality is, is 50% of their extracurricular, of their lunch, if they do field trips, school activities, if they do medical bills, it's 50-50, so you should pay half and she should pay half. I think the clarifying point there is, is we pay all of it. Yeah, we pay all of it. We pay 100% for sports. Uh, we mentioned Civil Air Patrol tonight. Uh, coincidentally, I came home with a newsletter that says, okay, uh, he takes the next step next week in, in his Civil Air Patrol sort of journey here. And, and oh, by the way, that next step is going to cost 200 bucks uh, divided out between three checks that you'll need to bring next week. And yeah, in a perfect world, I should be able to go to her and ask for her fair share. You know, and I know that that will never happen. She just won't give it. So we keep track of it, put it on a spreadsheet. And if I ever wind up in court again, uh, hopefully the spreadsheet and the, and the supporting documentation is enough. But the thing that we don't do is I don't say to Connor in the car tonight, I don't say, well, you know, I, I can't make the appointment for you. I don't have time to take you. And it's not my financial responsibility uh, and make him go back to mom because all that's going to do is create more animosity with the kids. I've seen my daughter, what, four times in the last year. But suddenly, what, last month, she needs a $2,200 dental procedure. Hey, I'm, I'm dad again. You know, but I need a check. 
I need... after stepmom is paying for the dental yeah. insurance to have that price significantly knocked down. Right, because when we had a better relationship with her, we knew that this was coming. Mm -hmm. So you did your research and said, okay, how do I make an $8,000 procedure somewhat affordable? And because you pay through the nose now for the best dental insurance on the planet, only for her, to, to benefit Caitlin, just to benefit her, um, you know, it, it turns into a, a major monthly expense that's worth it. But ultimately, you know, I'm only as valuable as I am that check. But if I don't go down and I don't pay half, then am I going to go another year, two years, three years without talking to her? Because, you know, now they're they're sitting over there and, and dad's an asshole again and dad's cheap again and dad doesn't love you again. And, and it's really a no-win situation. It's one thing to have animosity and not get along with your ex. That's fine. I don't care about that. It's another thing when the ex weaponizes the children against the other parent and they tie that weaponization to money. That's just not fair. And it's always $1,000 this, $1,000 that. This isn't an argument over like 50 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks. Like that's stuff we can figure out. But it was $1,100 that we need to come up with in 48 hours. I don't know about you guys, but it's not that easy to just, where does $1,100 come from when you can't put it on a credit card? And it, it, It's an impossible ask. It, and we found a way to do it. And you're right, it, it's not the 20 bucks, the 30 bucks, because that's what Connor's school lunch is. Mm -hmm. And when that comes up, we just pay it, look the other way, and move on. But you're you're in a similar boat. I mean, it, it's it's not all on me here. No. Like, I mean, we had a thousand twelve hundred dollar expense from my son unexpectedly. Shouldn't have been our responsibility. But so I have been divorced the first time for nineteen years. Uh, breadwinner, never collected child support. Um, had the better health insurance, so I was always a provider for that. Hundred percent paid for daycare. Um, things of that nature to be able to work. The only time I didn't have to pay for summer coverage was when my ex-husband had lost his job that summer. <laughs> um, had nothing else going on, so I might as well drop the kid off. Right. You know, when it did come to paying 50% for sports and a few things like that, there were things that came up. But as I was... D did he really pay 50% or was the sport free because he coached and then he put the 50% that you paid in his pocket? Well, that is a good question because I didn't get smart till like several years in saying I need to see receipts or where do I need to pay yeah. instead of handing a check over. Um, that probably ended maybe about nine years ago, just <laughs> handing a check over. Uh, so who knows? But, you know, when it would be like a $5 field trip, there's no 50%. Uh, when it would be a copay, that would be a 50%. And chances are his mother probably paid the other 50%. Um so, you know, that was always a challenge. So being somebody who was divorced as the woman, as the mom, because I was the breadwinner, that was like the first year of daddy's law where he had rights and New Hampshire's a fair and equitable state. And so I was treated like the husband in this scenario. And you guys are missing my lovely air quotes. Um, and so because I was a primary breadwinner, that meant that even though I was going to have him a good portion of the time, uh, that child support wasn't necessary because we could support for ourselves. So it was exactly the opposite, which was crazy for 19 years ago. Um, and then, yeah, I was married the second time. That's a whole other episode yeah, yeah, on that. We'll Thankfully, do. no kids, but that was... That's going to be a four-part miniseries. I know. That one cost like quite a bit of money, but here we are 
now, my son, 20 years old, going to college, moved in with his dad when he was 16 with the idea that because he had a, a state job, that college would be free if my son went in-state, which was an amazing park. Um, that the reality is, is my son has done financial aid. He's paying a little bit along the way. It's probably $12,000 a year for an engineering degree, which I certainly can't complain about. Uh, but that's stuff he's taking out loans for. I'm on the hook for technology, for parking, for gas money, for books, things of that nature, which we figure out how to pay as we go. It's not cheap, by the way, but no. we, we figure it out. And, and all in all, you're right, $12,000 a year, call it forty-eight grand for an engineering degree. And if we chip in 7 to 10 between freshman and senior year for all this various stuff, he's getting out of it easy. We got out of it relatively right. easy. The question is, financially, dad, what is his contribution? Nothing. Okay, so here's what irks me, because I feel the same thing on my end. Why does dad's opinion, dad's word, mom's opinion, mom's word, why is it so valued when there's no evidence, there's no cash, there's no real effort put in behind it other than a really loud voice that these kids don't want to deal with pissing off? It's if you're the one who makes the money, you're just expected to write the check upon request. And we haven't even gotten to the, the good part where... So yes, I pay for my son's monthly gas to get back and forth to school, but we also pay for $400 a month is supposed to be my son's allowance for him to spend how he wants. But the second- So, so wait, $500 a month is yeah, what we give the 20 year old son and it's on a credit card. We get the points. We, we maximize the hell out of this thing. And the deal is he's a great student. He's an engineering student. He gets awesome grades. He doesn't give us any problems. He's respectful for the most part. He's not gonna knock up some girl. He doesn't go to drug parties. He doesn't get drunk. He's worth it. So he gets a $500 a month allowance, which I think is fair. And the idea is that if he wants to go to dinner with his friends, buy groceries for himself, get gas, it's more than enough money for him not to have to tap into his own bank account and spend money on day-to-day on -day stuff. That was the idea when we sat down and agreed on, on giving him this allowance. And yet, on the second or third day of the first of the month, after his credit card has been paid off, Daddy takes a credit card and buys $400 gift card to Market Basket to go grocery shopping and leaves my son with $100 a month of his allowance. Okay, so that's not, you made it sound like that was a one-time thing. That is. Oh, no, this is regularly for the better part of five years. And it's expected. So <laughs> that's the thing. Dad and son have come up with an agreement, a deal, uh, where dad knows that son gets $500 a month. He says, okay, you live here. I'm going to take the money that comes from your stepfather and your mother, and I'm going to take 400 of it, and that money is to feed the both of us. But the reality is this kid works 30 to 40 hours a week. He goes to school full time, and he's not, he, his own words, he's not eating at home all that often. So we're feeding dad. We're feeding your ex-husband that you divorced how many years ago? 19 years ago. And... We were, we did this through his last two years of high school, and there was talk of discontinuing it when he graduated high school. You were going to carry it on in a different manner, a different way. You explored we gonna, gas cards. You explored all different options. We were going to buy him a car and pay the car payment so he had transportation. Like, there were all sorts of things that dad, at all costs, 
but tooth and nail to find a way to block it every step of the way to continue. Because dad needs this $400 to feed himself. So just like how I open the show, or I worry about if I don't come up with this money and I don't pay these things, it's not about pissing off the ex-wife. It's about the negative effect that it's going to have on my relationship with my kids. And how do I overcome that and make them see that, no, what mom's doing isn't right, it isn't fair, it isn't just. Your son is approaching the end of his sophomore year. So as we get into February here, and he's only got a few months left in his sophomore year, he's an upperclassman by the time he goes back to school next year. You would think that if dad is so dependent on this $400 a month that he's already got to be thinking about, okay, you know, he's a junior now. This is going to run out sooner than later. How am I going to replace this money that, that you've fought tooth and nail to keep? See, I think that we're still in for one more surprise. I think that the next argument, the next con job is going to be an invitation for you to go for coffee with dad. And he's going to explain to you where I pay. Well, you pay. Where it's going to be explained to you that your son, yeah, he may be done with college, but he's going to be living with me for the foreseeable future. And as long as he's living with dad, it's up to you to continue the four hundred dollars a month. And I know that you don't like the 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 fighting. You don't like it being contentious because much like my ex-wife, it trickles down to the kids, mm -hmm. and then suddenly dad's filling your son or mom's filling my kids heads with you know you're the parent there what an asshole what a jerk you know how how cheap are they it's not fair like and it affects what happens the last time you did this the last time you you sort of put your ex-husband in check what happened between you and your son how long do you go without talking to him about 90 days right until i finally caved on paying for something where at his age, I was living on my own. I was pregnant with him, making 70 grand a year, paying my own way, getting myself, ironically, in this situation. <laughs> you know, and the, the balls on other people to continue to try to put their hand out and say, you know, this, this is mine. This is what's owed to me. Now, in my situation, you make fun of me for this all the time and it, with, with good cause. Like, you're absolutely right. I was married to her for 14 years. She deserves her seven years uh, of alimony. She earned it being married to me, I guess. It's fine. She'll get it. That's the law. No problem there. You've been divorced for 19 years, yet you are still responsible for feeding your ex-husband. Like, do you understand how banana, and you, hold on, you've been divorced for 19 years. How long were you married for? 18 months. Okay, so based on New Hampshire's laws of equitable divorce of today, you were responsible as the breadwinner to pay for his meals for nine months. That's correct. And 19 years later, he's still got you. Yeah. It's amazing, but there is no shame and that's the other part of it, and it bothers me, and I hope my kids, I hope your kid, I hope our kids are able to eventually sort of see through all of this, but they're getting older now, and we've been saying this for a few years. Like, it's not well, happening right, yet. Like, we'll do the right thing, or we're trying to assume positive intent, or we want to be supportive, or all the things that seems like you're just trying to be a good parent and reduce conflict 
and make sure they feel supported so they can focus on things like their extracurricular activities or their jobs or their focuses and motivation on school. Um, but then the holiday season comes and it just seems like I need a $500 graphics card. I want a designer wallet. I want a $782 insurance bill to get paid for. And the, the gratitude for the amount of money that gets paid just seems to be lacking. I will say Connor is probably the best of the three of them for being appreciative on the investment we make. I mean, he's okay. He, you know, he, 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 I said he's the best of the three yeah, of them. I didn't say he's great. Yeah, he, he, there's a long way to go. But I think what you just said is the main point here. They don't know to have gratitude for the things that we do because it's been hardwired into them through their other parent that this is what's expected of us. So if the other parent gets, okay, you mentioned Connor, we spent an easy, what, 500, 700, how much? Every Christmas, the kid does great. You do awesome when it comes mm -hmm. to buying things at the right price on sale. So it might look With like it might yeah. look like he has a two thousand dollar Christmas, but it doesn't cost us. You know, it costs half of that. Mom was getting him a, a soldering iron for twenty five bucks mm -hmm. as his big gift, and he was excited about it. Like it, it's crazy to me that there's so much appreciation on the other side for the their lack of effort it, it's and and your ex-husband's better than my ex-wife at least he's got a full-time job the guy works uh he, he's not maximizing the degree that you paid for uh and he's not maximizing his earning potential but at least he works full-time mm -hmm. so he deserves i guess some credit for that but at what point do you take ownership and take hold of this is my life this is my situation, and I'm going to do what I need to do to cover my bills, to pay for my lifestyle, to pay for my kid, and just be responsible for whatever takes place under your roof. That part is a question that I don't think either side of has an answer to right now, and it's maddening. And when push comes to shove for us, what have we both decided to do this year? Uh, pick up another job to earn each, more money like each, each. It, so so that's you know another job we're the primary earners uh we both do pretty well i guess like a, well above average um but because there's between the two of us there's close to fifty thousand dollars going out the door by the way that fifty thousand dollars going out the door is closer to 90 because it goes out the door um post-tax to the other person. So the recipient of that close to $50,000 or the recipients of that close to $50,000 don't pay taxes on it. That's correct. It comes into our paychecks. We pay the taxes on it. Then it goes out of our paychecks post-tax and they don't pay taxes on it. So it, it's essentially the equivalent of eighty-five dollars to $90,000 that we're losing a year. And they get the benefit of. So if one party gets $40,000 a year, but they're not paying tax on it, that party's getting about $70,000 a year if you assume 30% goes out in taxes. Mm -hmm. Like, this is craziness. And that's how, when we wonder why they can afford what they can afford on only $40,000, the reality is it's $40,000 in cash. It's a real $40,000. As opposed to if you and I went out and got a job that pays you $40,000, you might take home 26 of it at the end of the year. Right. It's certainly not the same. And as we continue to have the, 
I got into a car accident. I'm without a car. We got to buy a beater truck. That's $1,000. We need the braces. That's $1,000. We have camp signups to sign up for. That's a couple thousand dollars. When it comes to all these extra $1,000 bills, you and I got to sit down and say, okay, what we're earning together as a partnership is not enough to cover everything. So what's your second job? What's my second job? Because if anything, we're at least in it 50-50. I mean, I'm out there now in addition to, to my full-time career as the director of sales for uh, Original Gourmet Food Company. Now I am uh, representing uh, hair clinic. So so it's it's medical tourism. It's unbelievable. But the website is is, is titanhair.com. Go to it. I, I swear, instead of seeing uh, Dr. Robert Leonard, don't listen to Brian Scalabrini. Don't go to Boston. Don't spend $30,000 on getting your hair transplant. Men, you don't have to do that. You can get an as good, if not better, hair transplant in Istanbul. We can get you over there, give you five-star accommodations. Uh, we'll give you a full-time translator. We'll get you in and out in a long weekend, three days. You get there on a Friday, you're back home on Monday. It's going to cost you 2500 bucks, and you're going to have a, an incredible job done. You'll have a brand new head of hair, and it is lifetime hair. This hair will not fall out. The transplanted hair is mutated through its DNA. It will never fall out. It is your lifetime hair. $2,500 Titan hair. Com. I was not saying that as a plug. I was saying it more the principle of the matter. Well, you, you, give, have, me a, you give me a window, you give me an opportunity, I'm going to sell it. We need to have second jobs, then it needs to be fair and equitable for us where you get a second job, I get a second job, and we get through it together, which is probably why we work. Um, I thought it was our intense sexual chemistry. Oh, geez, some crow. Here we go. I thought it was, I, it's not, oh, you're turning so red right now. <laughs> you were tanning today, didn't you? No, I did not. I... <laughs> Well, I had the dump truck. You're just embarrassed. You had my car. You're just embarrassed because I said we have sexual chemistry four years in. What's no, wrong with that? No. Our son, my son, has our son, uh, your son, your natural son, my stepson. Yeah, the, the oldest has has one of our SUVs. No, no, no. no. The oldest has my Lexus. Uh, no, the oldest has my uh, company my Lexus. company Lexus. No, the oldest has my company Lexus, and he's had it for a couple of months because nobody on the other side was willing to step up and help him and, and that's okay because i guess we're the rich ones and i can drive my 2006 f-150 and then i'm afraid to go get an inspection sticker for because i don't want to hear about all the rust on it but at least it gets me from point a to point b right but when you have to travel for said sales job <laughs> that pays for the other household yeah you can't use that car to drive to Rhode Island. Can't do but it. But where I also have to drive for work, we yes. have to coordinate schedule. So no, I did not go tanning today. I stayed at home with our 2006 dump truck, <laughs> and I got caught up in work so that I could drive my car to travel tomorrow. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's a it's a travel week for us. So yes. I'll be I'll be trekking down to Logan Airport from New Hampshire in the 2006 truck on Thursday as I fly to Nashville, Tennessee, and back in the same day so we can make sure that we've got the money that we need to run three households and this is the point i try to make to the kids and i don't think it really clicks in their head it's that when they come to us with their handout and whether it's a silly request or a real request you know whether it's connor wants you know twelve dollars for a steam game or he says to me and he means it you know i need a doctor's appointment i'm getting headaches and i know mom won't take me that's going to mean 
he misses school, I miss some work, and then there's co-pays for both the appointment and for whatever medication he gets. It's easily a couple hundred dollar a day. We're going to take care of him. We're going to do what we have to do. It's what we've always done, and we do it for any one of these three kids. They don't seem to understand what a fine line we walk. And it really is the definition of a high wire act. If one of us were to suddenly lose our job or be underemployed significantly from where we are right now, it wouldn't just affect our house where I feel like if it was just us with the kids under this roof, we could figure it out. You would between your ability to manage money, to find things on sale, um, Whatever, you, whatever tricks the 50% you have, off meat is, you, you'd whatever figure it the out. Whatever ninety-nine cent fruit is for the week would make it That's through. what we're eating. Yep. No takeout, no going out. We don't have the luxury to control our household in that fashion. When we have two other households that comment on our household, that at the end of the day, we just have to earn the money. At the end of the day, the court says I have to give her forty grand a year. So that's based on my my current salary. Now, if my in a perfect world, if my salary were to take a, a significant hit, that number should go down. But unfortunately, our judicial system is so screwed up post COVID that they're that backed up. Where if I went to the court for that kind of financial relief, by the time I got in front of the judge, my daughter will already be eighteen, and the financial relief will come when she turns eighteen. Like, that's how screwed up it is. If I lose my job or if something happens and I take a giant pay cut tomorrow, you would think that the day after tomorrow, I could go appeal to the court and say, okay, this formulation is based on this W-2. It is based on this weekly income, this monthly income, this annual income. Now my income is this. And it should just be a simple percentage-based equation. But that's not how it works. And we're dealing with unreasonable people. You know, if your ex is reasonable, you should be able to have that conversation with him or her without even having to see a judge. You get this percentage of my income. My income took this big of a hit. Unfortunately, that means I keep this smaller amount. You keep this smaller amount until something changes. That's the common sense part. But instead, you got to hire a lawyer, five to $10,000 down on day one before even walking into a courtroom that's just a retainer right and then you got to hope to get a court date where the first court date is going to be sometime three four months later and the judge is going to say well i don't have enough evidence here i need you guys to go back and do discovery and we need to do financials and then the opposing party is going to delay 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 and then eventually two years later he's going to say okay you win the other party's going to pay you back. Oh, you know what? They don't have the money to pay you back. So let's just call it clean from here. Like that's best case scenario. So no, the courts aren't the answer. So here's my plug. If you're not married yet and thinking of getting married sometime in the future, no matter where you are at now, highly recommend a prenup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're young and stupid and think that you're in love, uh, you probably are. And God bless you for it. But just remember that everything falls apart, especially the first one, sometimes the second one. Well, the other thing is, is like, heaven forbid, worst case scenario, it doesn't mean that the other person has to sometimes be a terrible person or you have to imagine that they might be a terrible person. But, you know, people get in car accidents. People get addicted to pain meds. People pick up an alcohol habit. Things happen. As I'm having a glass of wine right now. Yeah. Like, what, what do you say? Things happen that you cannot predict 10 to 15 years from now. And the person that you married may change based on something that they're not even expecting to see as a change that 
just in this day and age, protect yourself, get a prenup. I mean, you you just described my parents. Like you described them That's to my parents. You described them to a T. You know, fireman, nurse, uh, private Catholic school, light picket fence, great life. And fifteen years later, a forty-one year old mom. Um, yeah, I'm. I don't know. 17 at the time, 18 at the time, picks up a, a significant drug habit. She's never been the same again. It, it led to the demise of their marriage and uh, their financial security was taken away overnight. Um, and I know that you've got an equally screwed up situation, which mm -hmm. again, I think, aside from the intense sexual chemistry that we have. Uh, it was something we bonded over think, on our first date. Yeah, I think we, we had this fun little thing on like, who can scare the other? away faster <laughs> as one upping here for different um, skeletons in the closet um, and it was pretty impressive how much we had in common and without getting into the dirty details what we learned was neither one of us were going to judge the other one and that that was a great feeling yeah. not having to hide that stuff is awesome because nine times out of ten if you were the same person that you are with the exception of you responded differently to the things that I told you about like my mom for example you'd hide this stuff and you would for six months a year and it would eventually become a weight on the relationship because It'd be an argument that came out of nowhere you know that the other party's holding something back and you know if you're a year in you start talking about living together eventually getting engaged but you know the other person is holding something back then you're not gonna have the type of relationship that you're capable of having so i think by the time that you and i met we're both sort of done with that. Okay, so my next plug, if you're over 40, just be your authentic self, put it all out on the table, and if it works, then you've learned from your past experiences for just being 100% honest and 100% you. Yeah, it's true, because if you're over 40 and you're making the decision to get back into this thing one more time, um, or you already made the decision that you're happy living alone, you've made your, you know, your peace with it, and you're going to live your best life, you're going to travel, you're going to have your friends, you're going to maximize your earning potential, but you're not going to take on the responsibility of a relationship, that's fine. But the moment that you decide that you want to do the whole relationship thing, you're better off, like, I didn't want to share my, my, login for my credit info i didn't like i was embarrassed by it but coming out of divorce and coming out of all of that it didn't nothing shocked you which no, made it I, awesome my thing was is i just need to know like how bad is your actual situation and how do i need knowing what your situation is how do i need to protect myself and what i earn for us to do this together she like took, me, that she took me from a 532 yes. to a 722 and, and uh, it, it's still going higher okay like and i haven't changed a thing about my life i just put it in the ball in her court and, and things have happened but it's being able to trust the other person to do that um that makes it really work but i don't mean to go off another tangent here because the whole credit thing and income and how that plays into a relationship is another show for another week. I've got like the next seven shows sketched out in my notebook, and that's one of them. But before we get out of here today, I, I did want to sort of circle back to, to the fundamental point of this show. So what do we do? That's the question. Like, what do we do? We made it through the request for the, the 16 and a half year old to get her, uh, her dental work done, and that was 1200 bucks last month out of the blue. Uh, we've done everything that has been asked of us. And, and when I say asked of us, I don't mean asked by the other party. If it was up to the other party, 
the son wouldn't play football, wouldn't have gone to Ron Burton last year, wouldn't be in Civil Air Patrol, wouldn't play basketball. You know, all of his clothes would be, at best, Amazon Essentials. Like, the kid, he doesn't, he doesn't really ask for a lot. He just, he knows what he wants to do, but he's not going to be demanding about it. He's never going to be, Dad, you're an asshole, you didn't sign me up for football. He's not that kid. But I know he wants to play. And I know the financial investment that it takes to, to allow him to play. Well, and his, his social social changes have been amazing he's recognizing it well, yeah he's mildly on the spectrum and he's always had trouble in social situations and in the last three or four years uh he's come a long way he still has a long way to go but seeing the things that he can do now that he couldn't do then the situations that he can handle now versus what he couldn't handle then it, it's worth every penny but it's like Okay, so how much do we take here? I know we have the spreadsheets and, and we feel good about plugging in you know, what we pay and then there's the empty column right next to this one you know, where it says 50% and then paid 000. Well, do we I, just do this for in perpetuity? I think the better question is, is how long do you do the right thing before the right thing nips you in the butt? Well, again, you know, I think you're going to be the next one oh well yeah we're all going to learn from my experience you're going to be the next one to be put in this tough situation when you have to have the conversation and i know in your heart of hearts and it's so cute you're like no i'm only it's a conversation between me and me and my son it's 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 his money he's it's his adult. deal he's, he's an adult vote. But he's going to be able to legally drink by then he can travel internationally without me yep but it's not going to be that way and you know it it's going to be you know uh Hey, Katrina, I, I heard this. Uh, I disagree, but I think you and I should hash it out over some coffee. Let's hash it out. And you're going to wind up calling me and being like, I don't know how I did it. I just committed yeah. nine more years. Yeah, I think there's another <laughs> inflation increase request. <laughs> it's on, you know, but that's the thing. At some point, we have to be the asshole. So how do you how do you do it without jeopardizing the relationship with your children? And that's the question. And if people have got an answer to it, then and something that's not in the books, like something not the therapist is going to tell us, because what they tell us, and what the books tell us is, no, you just explain it to them. They're adult children at that age. You explain it to them honestly, without emotion, and, and let them decide for themselves. Unfortunately, the books don't have a chapter on. What if the other party's a master manipulator, it, which both sides are? Like, we, we both live mm -hmm. that. They both have the, the trust and the ears of these kids. So they can say whatever they want, and when they say it, it becomes Bible. We can show them black and white facts. We can show them all these you know, the pay stubs and checks and, and money out to the other party. That's irrelevant. It's black and white, but that doesn't matter because the other party said so. And that's an impossible situation to try to win. Well, and if there's no answer to our question, for those of you out there that are living a similar circumstance, because there's got to be many, you're not alone. We're right there with you. And that'll do it for week number two of Chat with Cat and Pat. Uh, this week's episode was brought to you by Jill and Company Real Estate Agency, their newest uh, New Hampshire specialist, Katrina Pateri. You guys can find her at 603-479-1028. And why don't you tell them your work email address? Katrina at jillandco.com. Katrina like the what? Hurricane.
Katrina like the hurricane at jillenco.com. And of course, brought to you by Titan Hair. Check them out, titanhair.com. We'll get you guys to Turkey and back three, four days. New head of hair, 2500 bucks. You don't need to go spend 30 grand. And if you want to take a week and have a great international vacation, it's a lot safer than the news says it is. Take it from me. I'm Patrick Gilroy. She's Katrina Pateri. We'll talk to you guys next week on Chat with Cat and Pat. Now